Cool. So a little summary before we get into it. Um, does anyone want to say just what has happened in the first four chapters? What are we talking about here? Who's enslaved? Anybody? The Hebrews are enslaved, or you can say the Israelites were enslaved. Later, they're called the Israelites because the nation is, is Israel. Um, so you have these people who are enslaved, God's people. Um, they've been enslaved 400 years. What happens next? God is going to call a dude named Moses. Moses. Great job, everybody. Um, then um, Moses... Moses ends up, ends up uh, getting in some trouble. He flees to a place called Midian, and then God is calling him back. Um, and last week, uh, Will talked about uh, well, an awesome sermon. You can go back and listen to on the podcast where he talked about how Moses was saying, yeah, God, I'm going to do this, whatever you want, as long as you don't affect my family, as long as I don't have to bring them into this. Um, and so there was this whole process of Moses like getting to this point where he said, okay, you know what? Everything, you know, God, you're calling me to this. I'm going to give everything and go all in. Um, and so everything seems pretty awesome. It seems like God has said he's going to save. God has done these cool miracles with Moses where, like, the staff turns into a snake. And um, it's like, okay, awesome. God's going to come in. Um, the equivalent of, like, just all the Avengers are going to come just destroy, you know. Um, Pharaoh and his army, and everything's going to be great. The problem is it's not what happens. And today we're, today we're talking about disappointment. Turn to someone next to you and say, disappointment is coming. Now turn to someone on the other side and say it kind of like an ominous, like, disappointment is coming. All right. Great job. So, um... We're in Exodus 5. Hopefully that gave you time to look it up. If you don't have it, you can always look it up in your phone. Uh, we love real Bibles because you retain more when it's in paper form. All right. Oh, hello, Siri. Okay. Here's what we got. We're going into Exodus 5. All right. So this is after, after um, this whole encounter that, that, that Moses has had with the burning bush, um, with God, and then he's being sent. Um, and things are looking up until chapter 5. Afterward, Moses and, Pharaoh went and, uh, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast for me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may go sacrifice to the Lord, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, I wish I had a huge voice for this part. Moses and Pharaoh, uh, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Go back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the, task make, uh, the taskmasters of the people and their foremen. You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks. So they're already making bricks, and now he's like, it's going to be even harder. Now I'm going to give you straw, which like straw was able to fill up the size of the bricks so you wouldn't have to have mud for the whole thing. Anyways, so Pharaoh's just being a total jerk here. Um, verse 7, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose on them. So they still have to make the same amount of bricks. 
Um, therefore they cry, they cried out, let us go and offer sacrifices to God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. Verse, verse 10. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you find it, but your work will not reduce in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, complete your work, your daily task each day, as they, um, as they with, were without straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were, um, were beaten and were asked, why, have you done all, why haven't you done all your tasks of making bricks? All right, we're almost there. Verse 15. For the foremen of the people came and cried to Pharaoh, why did you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants. Yet they say, make us bricks, and behold, your servants are beaten. But the fault is in your own people. But he said, you are idle. You are idle. That is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. It's kind of repetitive, right? It's saying the same thing, um, which because it's so bad. The foreman of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks for your daily tasks. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh and they said, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, you have done evil to these people. Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to his people and you have not delivered your people at all. Things don't get better. Um, so if, if what you were hearing there, if you picked up on it, basically um, Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh, say, Pharaoh, let, let all the slaves go. Um, and Pharaoh actually doubles down on what he's been doing. And he doesn't allow them to have straw. He's basically uh, just abusing more. And the people get angry at, at, um, at Aaron and Moses. Um, and, and so... You might have been thinking that things were going to get better and look up, but immediately they're hit with disappointment. Um, disappointment is rooted in hope. They had hoped that God was going to deliver. They had hoped that things were going to change, but they didn't. If you don't have hope, you don't have disappointment. If you don't have expectations, you don't have disappointment. Um, and so they had hoped that everything would get better. Um, and I was just thinking, um, I think it's been really healthy for me to think back to when I was in high school and remember just like the devastating disappointment that I felt at different times. Like there, were, I don't know if you know this, but there's, I guess you probably do, you're in high school. Um, but there are things that feel like the end of the world. Um, and then you, maybe you get past them and maybe you look back to junior high or you look back to freshman year and you're like, that seemed like the end of the world, but it really wasn't, but it seemed like everything was caving in. And one of those moments for me um, was when I was asking someone to the dance, um, freshman year, homecoming, um, yeah, in, for a lot of us, homecoming, I was thinking about it. I'm like, why, why are they all freaking out about homecoming? And then I like thought back, and like Vicky looked at her yearbook yesterday from when she was in high school, freshman year, and we're like, yeah, this is why. This is why. We remembered what it was like to be in high school when everything was the end of the world. And so I asked this girl, Vicky, to homecoming. Um, and the way, the way I did it was with a bouquet of balloons. They're not called bouquets. A, I don't know. A balloon K. A balloon K. Um, and so I brought these balloons over, and, I, and I, had a, I had a big note, and it said, will you go up, up, and away with me to homecoming, right? Classic, classic. Um, 
And here's the deal. Um, not to get into my love life, um, whatever that looks like freshman year, but um, there was some love triangles going on uh, with one of my best friends. And, uh, and, and I, anyways, there was a lot of stuff going on. We're not going to get into the specifics. You can ask Adam afterwards. Um, so, but I don't even know if he'll remember what was going on, because honestly, it seemed like the end of the world, but I don't really remember it much now, um, which I hope, it's going to happen to you for all these things that you think is the end of the world and everything's falling apart. You're going to look back and you'll be like, I don't even remember her name or his name or whatever. Um, I remember this because she became my wife. Okay, so um, basically, here's the deal. Uh, she says no. She says no when I asked her to homecoming. Okay? And I'm hit with disappointment. Now, here's what happens. A lot of us, we have a very low tolerance for disappointment. Okay, you are, um, you're Americans, you live in Orange County, a lot of things are handed to you, and so just like the littlest inconvenience can like throw your whole world, um, for, yeah, yeah, throw it all in, into crazy chaos. You very low, we, we all have very low tolerance for things being disappointing, right? If our phone like takes too long to open up an app, we'll throw it across the room. Maybe you have anger problems. If you do that, come talk to me, that's anger. Um, and um, so anyways, in that moment, I went into my room, and I literally, I remember thinking, all right, all right, I'm just never going to get married. I'm uh, like worst case scenario, like it's all over, it's done. Like we do this, right? When disappointment hits us, we're like, all right, it's the end of the world. Uh, nothing's ever going to change, and I can't do anything, and I've done everything I can. Um, anyways, uh, I guess, I don't know, just the end of the story is uh, I, it, she ended up coming back to my house and she brought over um, this like styrofoam ball that was filled with like 200, uh, it was like blow pops and, and dump. anyways, a lot of like, anyways, and she said, yes, I will go up, up on the way with you to homecoming. And anyways, I had like lollipops for days, but she finally said yes. Anyways, but a crazy moment of I'm swearing off this forever. I'm never going to date. I'm never going to do this. And then like literally a few hours later, it was like, wow, everything's great. Um, so we ended up going home giving together. That's the moral of the story. Um, but we all are hit with disappointment. And in the moment, disappointment feels like the end of the world. Um, something I was thinking about as we were talking about the problem of evil, um, we were talking about how does a good God allow evil on Wednesday. And um, it's interesting. We read the Bible and we're like, wow, this just seems like, um, like we're to trust God in the middle of craziness and disappointment. That seems kind of crazy. Like, do they really think that? They must not have like had hard things like me and college decisions and APs and you know getting on the sports team and like family. They must not have had hard things. Dude, like a third of infants would die. Like, can you imagine that? Like you would have had twice the brothers and sisters, but you didn't because they all died of famine or disease. Like when you read the Bible and it talks about suffering, this is a context where like there is more death and craziness than you could ever experience. Okay, so don't think, wow, I have a problem and the Bible's never heard of it before. No, it's speaking into worse problems. Um, also, our problems are kind of relative, and, and again, we, we feel like those are craziness because we're in it and we don't know anything else. Um, but we're going to talk about disappointment today. Um, disappointment can lead to three things, and we see this in the text. The first thing is disappointment can lead to half-hearted obedience. Half-hearted obedience. I don't know if you saw this, but... Moses, in the very first two verses, listen to this again. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Does anything stand out about his request? A feast to me in the wilderness. 
What did God originally tell Moses to do? To go tell Pharaoh to what? Let my people go. So what, did, what has Moses done over here? We just, well, we just kind of want to go on a stroll, kind of go for a feast. Let us go for like three days. We're totally going to come back. Moses is freaking out, and he's not doing what God commanded him. He's going halfway. He's half-hearted. He should have been like, God says, let my people go. Instead, he's like, oh, God, we just met. I'm not really sure if you're legit. I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to water it down a little bit. Maybe Pharaoh's going to receive it more if I just say we're going to go for three days. Maybe then we kind of run away after that. Um, so Moses has a half-hearted obedience. And when we experience disappointment and frustration in our life, often we turn down our obedience to God. We turn down our obedience to God. Um, but disobedience isn't a time to turn down. It's a time to turn it up. Turn to someone next to you and say, turn it up. Um, so my freshman year, I uh, was trying out for the, uh, the baseball team at Orange Lutheran. And oh, Lou, anybody? Nope. We got it, Leah. Um, so I was trying out for the baseball team at Orange Lutheran. And, um, you know, most people, when they think of baseball, they don't think of um, the most athletic. Um, they don't think of how, like, having to run a lot. Like, that's soccer, that's lacrosse. You think about those things. Um, so I walk onto the field, and you can come contend with me after that. But have you seen Albert Pujols? And he's still able to do stuff. And he's. Yeah. Anyways, um, so I walk onto the practice field. In, it, was, uh, it was like my first day, and I'm just walking. I get there like 20 minutes early. No one else is there, um, but I'm just walking on the field. Um, and then, like, the coach comes out of the dugout and just starts screaming at me. And he says, you never walk on a baseball field. Hustle. Come on, boy. Let's go. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Wow. And, like, I, I just ran, and I ran into the dugout, and no one else was there. And, I just, it was, and then, like, th there were these moments as we would try out for baseball um, where, like, you had to run. You know this. You have to run through first base. Okay, so you, even if you hit a ball, it goes directly to the shortstop. You can't be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go to the dugout now. No, you have to run through first base. There's actually something that happened in uh, the playoffs are going on right now for baseball, and like someone didn't run through first base, and they were so disappointed because they thought that they were out, but they actually would have made it if they would have run through, uh, and that's when coaches really get on you. Um, and so there's moments where you're like, oh, this isn't a big deal, or, oh, okay, I, I guess I'm just going to be out right now. But it's actually, it's in those moments we need to run through because it might look to us like it's disappointment. But actually, it's a moment that God is going to use. Um, and so we, this isn't a moment where we go half-hearted. This is a moment where we go all in. Um, so that's the first thing. Disappointment can lead to being half-hearted. The second thing is disappointment um, can lead us to fear. Because if you were to read this, this chapter, you might think that it's kind of like Star Wars. And in Star Wars, there is a, a dark and a light. There's a good and an evil. There's two sides of the force. And are the sides equal? Yes. They're like equal and opposing forces. It's kind of like the yin and the yang, if you've seen that sign, like the black and the white. They're equal and opposing forces. And when you read this, you might think Pharaoh and God are equal and opposing forces. And in your moments of disappointment in your life, you might think that like, like, the, like the devil and God are equal and opposing. They're not. They're not. It's literally like a lion and a gnat. Okay, and the gnat is the devil, right? Um, God is like omnipotent, omnipresent. He's the beginning and the end. He holds all power. He is sovereign. He, he's the one who, he's outside of time and space. And so if you're like, well, how could God orchestrate all things to work together for good? 
You know, like, like God is outside of it, and so he sees it. Um, and Pharaoh is like this little gnat, this little footnote. And, and often when we experience crazy stuff, we might get afraid because we think God is too small. We think that our problems and God are equal and opposing. They're not equal. And so we shouldn't have fear. The third thing that it can lead to is forgetfulness. Um, hard things can lead to forgetfulness. Moses turned to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, why have you done evil to these people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to his people, and you, will, and, and you have not delivered them. Why, why do you think Moses should have known that disappointment was coming? Because God told him. God told him, you're going to go to Pharaoh. You're going to say, let my people go. Pharaoh's going to say no. I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. You're going to show him the staff with the snake. I'm going to make the Nile turn into blood. Things are going to get difficult. He's going to say no. He's going to reject you. I'm going to send plagues and more plagues and more plagues. God rolls out the game plan. And yet Moses is still freaking out because he has forgotten. He has forgotten what, what God had said. He forgot that God said it was going to be difficult. In Scripture, it says that in this world, you'll have trouble. Um, in this world, you'll have trouble. That's the game plan. It's going to be hard. But often we forget. We forget God's plan. Um, and then also, um, I was kind of thinking about this earlier. Um, Zach, can you come stand, like, right here? Okay. And then, Will, can you come here? Will, can you come stand right in front of him? Okay. So I want you to, here, stand and look at Will with just love in your eyes. Um, you're going to be right here. Okay. We're gonna um, now. You're actually gonna lift him and spin. Just kidding. Okay. Now, here's the deal, Zach. You're gonna be disappointment and really difficult things. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, Will. Will, you are. You are. Um, you're all of us when we experience difficult things. Okay. Um, and and all of all of you guys out here, you are all God's blessings. All the good things that God has ever given you. All the times where God came through. All the times where God, I mean, we ask the question, why does God allow good, uh, like bad things to happen to good people? Why does God allow good things to happen to bad people? God gives good things to all people. You guys are all the good things that God has given. Family, friends, people, experiences. And here's the deal. When there's really bad things in your life, it's all you can see. I mean, I guess if Zach, let's just imagine Zach's like 15 feet tall. There we go. Oh, look at that. The analogy got better. Um, it's impossible. The good things are out there, but it's impossible for Will to see it because this is so present. This is so present. But all of these things are true. And when bad things happen, when disappointment happens, it's easy for us to forget and not be able to see clearly these things that are always here. But it's just because this is here that it's hard for us to see. All right, great job, guys. Thanks for being up here. All right, so it's easy for us to forget the billion ways that God was good. Um, the billion things that God has done for us. Okay, cool. So what is our strategy? Cool, we got three points for a strategy. Um, also, you might have noticed um, that currently we have this like emergency thing for airplanes right here. Um, and um, I was on uh, an airplane to Atlanta, and I went, I went in a row that I didn't know was the exit row. Um, it was like, I should have known. It was pretty big. Um, and, but there was like, anyways, it's confusing. I didn't make a comment to the airline, but I should have. Because uh, I had my, my, my um, AirPods in, and I was listening to music. <laughs> Slight fucks. Um, 
And I was, um, I was listening to stuff. Actually, I only have one uh, album downloaded on my, my phone. Um, and it's the, the Seasons Christmas album by Hillsong United. Um, and so if I'm ever on an airplane, I'm just listening to Christmas music, and it's very calming to me. Um, and so I'm listening to that, and I'm trying to prep myself for the takeoff. And here's the thing. Um, they, uh, like, this lady stares at me. And I think I was telling some students this. The lady stares at me, and she's like, at least pretend to pay attention. At least pretend to pay attention. And I was like a good kid in school, and I'm like, I already start feeling bad and some shame, and so I take off my AirPods, and I'm like, okay, and I'm like, then I bring out the emergency thing, and I'm like, gonna do better than everybody else this time, and I'm like, looking at it. Um, here's the thing. Um, I feel like often we ignore life-saving instructions because we think we don't need them. We ignore things that would help us because we think we're never gonna experience it. And so as we talk about a strategy to handle disappointment, these three things, just because you feel like you're not in this place or you feel like you don't need it, we shouldn't tune out because often we avoid those things. And so how do we brace for disappointment? The first thing, embrace your limitations. Embrace your limitations. God is omnipresent. God is all-powerful. God is everywhere. God is sovereign. God is in control. God knows everything, God is all good, and we are none of those things. So we don't understand things when they happen, right? We, we can't see behind the curtain and understand. We don't have all power, there are things that we can't control. And so when we experience disappointment, disappointment could be an opportunity for you to say, you know what, God, I'm not in control. I'm not in control. Because if disappointment is rooted in hope, um, Disappointment could also be rooted in the hope that, you know, God, you are good. I'm, disappointment, I'm disappointed, but this is rooted in the, the hope that one day you will make all things right and all things will be, will be made good. And so we can embrace our limitations. The second thing is we can lean into the Bible. Um, we kind of talked about this. Um, we talked about this on, on Wednesday. Um, but if you look at Moses, Moses is, never makes it to the promised land. Moses never makes it where God um, is telling all the Israelites that he's going to take him to. Um, Moses experienced this disappointment. And if you just, I just need us, we just need to open our Bibles. We need to become more read when it comes to scripture and see that crazy stuff happens to people following God and it's never going to be easy. Um, it's going to be difficult. And so when it comes to hard things, we should never be surprised by difficulty. We can mourn difficulty. We can um, be frustrated with God, but we should never be surprised. Um, because the Bible shows us that this is something that's going to happen. And the last thing, how to brace for a disappointment. Um, take a good, hard look at the cross. Take a good, hard look at the cross. Whenever you're feeling like crud, we need to step back and sit down and just stare at the cross. Because the cross is Jesus' way of saying, this is not the final word. This is not the end of the story. That there is a day when I'm going to make all things right. Where I'm going to undo the powers of sin and death completely. And where you will feel no more pain. No more sadness. The cross is Jesus' way of saying, you're, you're going to suffer. There's going to be hard things. And the cross shows us how to suffer. We can suffer by trusting in God. Um, I think the cross gives us a perspective. A lot of the counselors, we're here because we have a lot of perspective, because we know that homecoming isn't the end of the world. Um, I kid about that, but we know that a lot of things that you guys are experiencing aren't the end of the world. 
And we just want to be people that stand next to you and say, hey, it's not the end of the world. There's hope. There's a future. God has a plan for you. It's going to be okay. God's with you. God's working through you. Anything that God has brought you to will bring you through. And we just want to be people who stand there and say those things to you. Um, and, um, and that's what we're here for. We're here to help brace you for those things, here to help remind you. And so the cross, I think, gives you perspective. Because if you look at the cross long enough, all of your problems and worries, I feel like they start to fade away a little bit. They lose some of their power because you're able to get up and away from all that, and you're able to see what God has done for you and that he's good and he's for you. Um, so brace for it because disappointment is coming, um, but God is with you. He's good. Let's pray. Um, so God, a lot of us are um, in the middle of what we would call disappointment and frustration, and we thought this semester was going to go differently. We thought these relationships were going to go differently. Um, we thought that class was going to go differently. Um, and things aren't what we thought they would be. In the middle of all that, we wonder where you are. And so um, we thank you that we can bring our disappointment to you, that we don't need to pretend like everything's okay. So Jesus, I pray that we'd have this time to just lift up our disappointments um, and have a strategy of leaning in and embracing and moving forward. Because growth is on the other side of this pain. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, team, uh, we have 10 minutes together, and here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to break out, and if your leader's here, um, we do have some tables outside we'd love for you to go to. There's also some tables over here. Um, so counselors, if you could take your students. And then here's what we're doing. Um, I've said this before, but kind of on Sundays, this is your, this is your briefing for the week, like, if, like as if you were going to war. Um, this is a time where you get to get together and say, hey, this is what's going on. This is what's been disappointing in my life. Here's how I need prayer. Um, and for you guys to be able to pray for one another um, as you go into the week. Um, so this is a, a really important time. Um, so some of us can stay in here, but just follow your counselor. If you don't know where your counselor is, um, you can come talk to me. So let's go.